Good morning. Welcome to H2O. It's really good to have you here with us. Uh, my name is Pastor Brian Wiles. Uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, it's great to have you here with us. And I want to tell you something as you sit there uh, right now. You may not know this, but as you sit there right now, you're actually part of a first in the, the life of our church, believe it or not, okay? It, our church is about 33 years old, and uh, we are a church that loves the campus of Bowling Green State University, and so that's kind of always been our passion and, uh, and, and our focus. But in the last six months, we decided that, that part of reaching the whole city of Bowling Green is important to us as well. So we planted this downtown venue uh, in in uh, August and, and launched it. And so in the 33 years of our church, we've actually never had a service on the Sunday of spring break. And so this is a first that, that you're actually a part of. So as you sit there, it's kind of cool to know um, that God is doing things, that God is continuing to grow our church, that we're continuing to, to see fruit from that. And uh, we are so excited for what God's done. So, so just as you, you sit there, know that. And then another thing that that we're so passionate about and we're so excited about at H2O is not just um, having fruit and reaching the campus here at Bowling Green or reaching the city, but we love planting churches, we love starting new works, and we love raising up leaders. That's one of our core values is raising up and empowering leadership within our church. And so when we get an opportunity to do that, we, we take an opportunity to invite our pastors in training. We have a program where we train pastors uh, to send them out on church plants and to, to have an impact here in Bowling Green. And so we have an opportunity today to hear from one of our pastors in training, Kent Ramsey. Kent is uh, actually one of our worship leaders. He's the director of our worship program. Um, I said this the first time he taught this summer, but Kent can not only, you know, play face-melting uh, guitar solos, but he also loves the Lord, and, and he loves the Word of God, and so I'm really excited for him to come up and share with us. So why don't you give Kent a warm round of applause as he comes up and shares with us today. Thanks, man. Thanks, Brian. All right. Thank you a ton, Brian. Face-melting guitar solos. All right. Sweet. Well, like he said, my name is, is Kent. If I, don't, if I don't know you, man, it's good to meet you. Um, <clears throat> I don't do this too often, so if I get nervous, just bear with me, but I am super excited. It's, it's a real honor to, to be sharing with you guys today. Um, man, I don't know if you guys know this, but we are 15 days away right now, 15 days away from spring officially being here. You guys excited about that? I know. Man, we had a little taste of it um, earlier, um, earlier this year, but it kind of went away, and, and so I'm bummed about it. Um, but yeah, I've always loved the warm weather ever since I was a kid. I've loved it. I actually grew up in, in Bradenton, Florida. I have a, of a picture of it. You can go ahead and, and throw that up there. Um, so this is me. You have to show a picture of yourself uh, when you're preaching, especially your second time. Um, <laughs> but this is me as a, as a kid. Um, I'm the little yellow one up there at the top. Uh, so yeah, my family looks all good. You know, we, we grew up going to church, kind of, my dad has his tie on. He's looking fresh. That's good. Um, so yeah, we grew up going to church, and, and back in this time, my mom used to, to sing us this song, and, and maybe, maybe your mom sang you this song too, and it was this song, If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands. You guys know it? If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands. Oh, nice. Okay, I was wondering if people did. Okay. Well, in my family, we would do that even when you weren't happy. It was like, if you're happy, you know, clap your hands. <laughs> Come on. Like, even when you weren't happy. Super awkward. And even beyond that, it wasn't always, if you're happy, you know, it, clap your hands. Like, sometimes it was, if you're happy and you know it, say amen. Like, if you're, you did that too? Someone else? Dude, so weird. I thought I was the only one. That's, that's awesome. Super weird. So, so growing up, 
I had this idea of happiness, like, as, as, as this thing. I associated it with this song. And I think all of us have this different view of happiness. Some of us, um, we all have different ideas of, of where to find it. Um, and so that's the topic that I'm going to introduce today. It's this, this idea of happiness. We're going to talk about that. But, man, before we do, just let me go ahead and, and pray. And then and we'll dive in with, with talking about happiness. So, God, just, um, man, just thanks so much for for the opportunity to be, to be sharing this morning. Lord, I do just pray that, that as I'm up here sharing, that it wouldn't be just me talking, Lord, but that you would, you would speak. Lord, I pray that your words would be, would be louder than mine, that you'd be honored, that you'd be glorified, and that we could leave here somehow different. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So happiness. All right, so happiness, we all love it, we all want it. We could all use a little bit more of it. I know I made fun of my mom with that song that she used to, used to sing, um, but really, like, if we sang that song today, like, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, it'd probably be a little different, right? It'd probably be, if you're happy and you know it, take out your phone, take a selfie, and post it on Facebook, <laughs> right? Like, we all post these pictures. I do it. You probably do it. We post these pictures of ourselves on Facebook doing the most ordinary things. It's like, oh, man, I'm so excited. Like, look at me eating this hot dog. It's like the greatest day of my life. It's super true. We love the idea of happiness, but today I just want to ask you guys a question. And the question is this Is it possible to become obsessed with the idea of happiness? Is it possible? Is it possible to become obsessed with the idea of happiness? So we've seen it on Facebook. We've seen, you know, we've seen the people with, with Botox, you know, and they, they have like a, a smile that they literally won't go away. Like they literally can't frown anymore. Is it possible to become obsessed? with the idea of happiness. The other day, my girlfriend and I, we were searching online about happiness, and I found a, a whole bunch of quotes, and so I just wanted to, to share a few with you guys. So here's the first one. Go ahead and put it up. It's, um, surround yourself with those who make you happy. Surround yourself with those who make you happy. Okay. That one's not, not too bad. I could, I could see it, you know, maybe. Um, let's see the next one. So do more of what makes you happy. Do more of what makes you happy, okay? That I could see, depending on what you're doing more of, like, I could, I could get along with that. Not too bad so far. Let's see the next one. Happy girls are the prettiest. I don't, yeah, I don't really know what to say about that. Actually, I was talking to my girlfriend. I think she looks the prettiest when she's mad. I don't know if I'm, yeah, maybe I'm just weird. Um... Yeah, let's, let's, let's see another one. I think happiness is what makes you pretty, period, from the great theologian Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Okay, that's enough about the prettiness. Let's, um, let's see the next one. The less you care, the happier you'll be. The less you care, the happier you'll be. Okay, now it's starting to get a little bit uncomfortable, right? The less you care, the happier you'll be. I could see you maybe having that on your wall or something if you're, if you're joking, maybe. Um, okay, now it's starting to be a little bit weird. Let's see the last one. Nothing is worth it if you aren't happy. Nothing is worth it if you aren't happy. Like, that's just intense. You know, nothing is worth it if you aren't happy. If you have, like, a, a poster of this on your wall or something, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend you. 
Maybe you just really love being happy. Um, yeah, not trying to offend you, but, um, but man, I want to use that last one to, to pose another question for you guys. And the question is this. Are there things in life that are worth more than your happiness? Are there things in life that are worth more than your happiness? And if you're here and you'd say no, no, like there is nothing worth more than my happiness, then I want to suggest that maybe you're obsessed with the idea of, of happiness. Maybe. And I don't want to be a big downer in here. I don't think I'm wounded for my mom clapping at me as a kid. I don't want to just be like a big stick in the mud. I'm actually like pro-happy. I can stand up here and boldly say, I'm pro-happiness. Man, I actually believe that everyone in here literally has the right, like you have the right to pursue happiness, whatever that looks like for you. The Declaration of Independence says this. All men, all men, women, they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, unalienable rights, the stuff that can't be taken away. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we all have these rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, right? And it's this beautiful thing. So I can't stand in front of you and force my idea of of happiness upon you. That's up to you to decide. You can't stand there and force your idea of happiness on me. Right? And that's, that's just a beautiful thing. That's the country that we live in, and I'm super thankful that we live in that country, um, in, in a country that's like that. But I do want to go back to that question. Are there things in life that are worth more than your happiness? Are there things in life that are worth more than your happiness? And so this is the big idea today. You can, you can write this down, guys. So we have the right to pursue happiness but we have the opportunity to pursue something better. We have the right to pursue happiness, but we have the opportunity to pursue something better. So we're going to be circling around that idea all today. Um, so we're going to be talking about. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and, and pull them out. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, we're going to be starting in verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one in the seat in front of you. You can have that even as our free gift to you. Otherwise, you can follow on the screen behind me. Um, the verses are going to be up there as well. Um, so while you guys are turning there to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, I just want to give you a little context. So here, Peter's writing this letter, and he's writing it to a group of Christians in the, in the first century. And, and this group of Christians is, is going through a hard time. They're actually, like, going through a really hard time. Like this particular group of Christians is being persecuted for their faith. Many of them were being killed. Like, life is just difficult. And in the midst of this difficulty, they're probably asking a question that a lot of us ask, too, when life is hard, only we ask it over issues that are probably much smaller. I don't know your, your situation, but they're probably smaller than, than getting killed for your faith. And they're asking this question, or saying this phrase, they're saying, life is hard, what do I do? Right? Life is hard, what do I do? For them, people are getting killed. Life is hard, what do I do? And maybe you've been there, and so they're asking this question. And at that time, there's these two groups of people, two different groups of people that dealt with this question in, in kind of different ways. And they're weird names, but, but this is what they were called. They're called the Stoics and the Epicureans. 
the Stoics and the Epicureans. If you're not a history person, you probably don't know that. You don't need to know it, but I thought it was interesting, so I looked it up, and I wanted to share it with you guys because I think it actually is, is kind of helpful. Um, but here's what they were all about. So the Stoics, what they did is they placed thinking above feeling. Thus, they would suppress their desire for pleasure or happiness because life was all about just like thinking, figuring it out. Life was all about being reasonable. So maybe, maybe you know somebody like this or, or maybe, maybe you are like this. You know, like it's all about I got to figure out everything. Like I'm going to suppress my desire for happiness. It's all about discipline. It's all about figuring it out. This is what the Stoics were like 2,000 years ago. This is what they were like. So that's the Stoics. And then there's this other group of people called the Epicureans. The Epicureans. And what they believed was this. They believed that, that seeking happiness or pleasure was literally the primary goal to life. Thus, they would, they, would, they would seek after pleasure, happiness, whatever they could in the short term to give them just immediate happiness. So whatever it was, they would seek after that in the moment. And you probably know some, some people like this too, or, or maybe, that's, maybe that's what you're like. I don't know your situation. But anyway, okay, so we're in the first century. There's these two different groups of people, these two different views, right? And the Christians are being persecuted. And they're starting to ask this question. They're saying, man, life is hard, so what do I do? And so Peter starts by writing this letter to them, and he starts and he gives them hope. And we're going to pick up right after that in verse 13. So if you're there now, I'm going to pick it up. So here we go. Verse 13, Peter says this. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. And we're going to pause there because actually a lot has already happened. <laughs> it says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. So, so the first thing we got to notice is that Peter says the word therefore, and maybe you've heard this before, but anytime you see the word therefore, you got to ask, why is that therefore, therefore? Um, and the reason that it's there now um, is because in this case, Peter's just got done saying something really important. Like, he's just given this group of people hope, and he's just shared all of this stuff, and I promise we're going to circle back, and we're going to hit on, on that hope a little bit later. Um, so anyway, Peter says, therefore, and then he says, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. So prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. So the first one, prepare your minds for action. Right? So I talked about those Stoics who were always thinking. He's saying, don't be like the Stoics, right? Don't just sit back and think about it. Like, literally, like, when life is hard, what are you going to do? Like, prepare your minds for action. If you're anything like me, the moment, like, life gets hard, the first thing that you do, if you're an introvert, if you're a thinker, is you try to figure it all out. Right? Like, you sit down, you think, man, like, life is hard. I got to do something. So you sit down with your pencil and you got your calendar and you try to like reorient your schedule in some way maybe or maybe you're like, man, I got I to gotta start working out and maybe you put like some more disciplines in your life. Maybe you read a couple books. Like I cannot tell you how much I've done this. And maybe you've heard this phrase, you've heard analysis is paralysis, that, that man, you spend so much time thinking about stuff that you're paralyzed and you're not actually doing anything. Spend so much time thinking that you're, you're not actually taking action. This is what I do a lot. I can't tell you how many books I have on my shelf. I actually have one that's called Just Do Something. 
and then <laughs> I have another one. It's called Do More Better, I think. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I totally fall into that category. Um, he says, don't be like that, right? The answer isn't always more self-discipline. The answer isn't always read more books. The answer isn't always figuring it out. Like, you have to, like, prepare your mind to actually take action when times are tough. But also, he says, be sober-minded, right? Prepare your minds for action, but also, easy, be sober-minded too, right? So, so take an action doesn't mean just, like, recklessly take an action like the Epicureans did, like the, the Epicureans that I described. Because for them, like I said, they'd run after the first shiny thing that they saw that they thought would bring them happiness. It was this mentality of, man, if it's going to give me happiness right now, like, I want that thing. You know, like, ah, like, that looks fun. Man, I want to do it. Maybe you're in the room and, and this is you. Like, I don't know if you've heard this before. It's like an old, like, stand-up thing. But, but maybe, like, after a hard day, you come home and you're like, man, today was hard. I just want to dance. Anybody? No? <laughs> Any girls? Like, oh, I just got to dance it out, you know? I just want to, like, go to the club. I got to dance. Like, life is hard. I'm a terrible dancer. Um, so I'm not saying dancing is bad, but man, if some of us aren't sober-minded, right, and dancing um, becomes more dancing, becomes more dancing, becomes a bunch of bad decisions that, that we didn't plan on making, and maybe that's, maybe that's a weird example. Maybe something else would make more sense. Maybe for you, it's, it's drinking, you know, like it's, man, it's been a hard week. I deserve this. You know, and, and again, nothing, nothing wrong with that, but maybe for you, you're literally not sober-minded about it, and one drink leads to another drink, leads to another drink, and, and before you know it, you're making decisions that you had, had never planned to make. There's so many ways that, that we do this. Could be, could be not drinking, it could be too much video games, it could be Netflix, could be relationships, could be Facebook could be food, you name it. It could be a, a bunch of different things. It's all this stuff that we do in excess to escape from, from the hardship that we have in life and just be happy. And honestly, like, I, I understand that one more than, more than anything, you know, because li- really, like, life is hard. You know, life is hard, and, and so, so what are we going to do? Especially the binge-watching Netflix one. Like, I got I to gotta get that together sometimes. Um, <laughs> Because life is hard. Like, 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 what are we supposed to do? Just not, not be happy in the short term? Um, but man, if you're living like this, I just want to ask you a question. I just want to ask, like, how's it going for you? Like, how is living like that going for you? Because my guess, my guess is that it's probably okay at best. You know, you're probably getting happy in the moment. You know, you're probably enjoying the Netflix but then the season ends, and you're like, oh, now what am I going to watch? Stranger Things is over. Season two, we're still waiting for it. Like, it's a short-term happiness mentality, and it just doesn't last. So Peter says, be sober-minded, right? So he says, be sober-minded and prepare your minds for action. It's not all just about making ourselves happy now like the Epicureans, and it's also not about figuring it out mentally like, like the Stoics did either. So what is it about then? He says it's, it's so much better than that. Second half of verse 13, check it out. He says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that word fully. The great Carrie Underwood, she says it like this. This is my temporary home. It's not where I belong. Windows and rooms that I'm passing through. This is just a stop (laughs) on the way to where I'm going. I'm not afraid because I know. This is my temporary home. I'm going to be honest with you. I actually don't like that song at all. (laughs) But I had to use it. I know a lot of us like it. Like, I had to use it because really this is exactly what, what Peter is saying. You know, like life is hard. So what do we do as Christians? We can literally have hope in the future because we believe that we have a future with Jesus. And that pales in comparison to everything that, that we're experiencing now here. And it's interesting, earlier in the chapter, Peter actually describes Christians as exiles, not in the literal sense, but as exiles in the same way that Carrie Underwood is talking about it, that we're literally exiles waiting for the home that we have to look forward to with Jesus in the future. And Christians are supposed to hope fully in that, to hope fully in that. This time, two years ago, um, I know we said that, that some of our our students are going out on, on spring break trips, and one of them is to Guatemala. They're actually leaving today, and it's, it's going to be awesome. I actually got to go on that trip to Guatemala two years ago. Um, and when we were there, one of the things that we did is, is we visited this women's prison. It was, it was an all-women's prison, um, and so we're there. And I remember we got to, to talk to some of the, the women there, and the way that they described the, the justice system in Guatemala was, was they described it as the injustice system, actually. Because a lot of these women were thrown in prison, like, for the wrong reasons. Like, they actually didn't deserve to be in prison. They had been wrongly accused, or for whatever reason, they had ended up being there because of this unjust system. And we got to talk to some of the women. There was translators, and they helped us understand. And, and one of the women shared with us, and, and she shared that, um, that man, she had a, a family. She had this life, right? She had a job. She had all this stuff. But then for some reason, she got thrown in prison. I think, I think she was a lawyer is what happened. And, and because she didn't win her case, I think there she got thrown into prison. But don't quote me on that. I don't remember the exact reason. But she had been thrown in prison at this point for something that she didn't deserve. And she was there for years. And so we're talking to her. And I remember what she said. She said that while she was in prison, she learned about the hope that she could have in Jesus she learned about who Jesus was, and she heard the gospel. She put her hope, she put her faith, she put her trust in Jesus. And here's the part that, that I remember most. She said that, that yeah, before, before prison, I had, a, I had a family, I had a job, I had all this stuff. But now that, that I'm in prison and I know Jesus, now I'm free. She had all of this stuff, all this stuff that we all want so much. She lost it all, got thrown in prison, and now she's saying that she's free. Guys, this is what it means to fully hope in Jesus, to fully hope in Jesus. I can't tell you how tiny of things I get upset over. The smallest little things, sitting in traffic, whatever it is, you would think like everything 
got, got taken away from me. I think a lot of us do that, do that here because what we do is instead of putting our hope fully in Jesus, even if you're a Christian in the room, whatever, um, instead of putting your hope fully in Jesus, probably what, what you do is you put your hope partially in Jesus, right? It's not fully in Jesus. Our hope is in him partially, right? We want to sing the Carrie Underwood song, you know, we want to maybe come to church. Maybe we're going to pray before our meals. Maybe you're going to give like 2% or something like that of your income. And then something happens and, and things get hard, you know, and, and you have a hard day at work. You have a fight with somebody that you care about. Or someone maybe asks you to give a little more of your time or, or your stuff than you wanted to because that's your stuff. Whatever it is, like life gets hard. And instead of having this perspective of having our hope fully in Jesus, we just say, man, life is hard. What can I do? And then we live just like everybody else. Guys, this, this is just like a dead-end road. And we all, like, we all do it, you know? It's not satisfying. We're only partially hoping in Jesus, and, and honestly, this is the stuff that, that makes Christianity look bad to people who aren't Christians, right? Like, if you're, if you're here in the room and, and you're not a Christian, maybe this is one of the reasons why you don't want to be one. You know, st- statistics, they show that, that one of the main reasons that, that people don't want to become Christians, it's because, you, you might know this, it's because they think that, that Christians are hypocrites, Right, that we say one thing and that we do another. We sing the Carrie Underwood song and then we don't actually live it out. If you like Carrie Underwood, that's totally fine. She's great. <laughs> Honestly, though, this is what makes Christianity look bad. It's not how it's supposed to be. So Peter goes on. Let's hop back into the text. We're at verse 14 now. We've got through verse 13. Verse 14 says this. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And we're going to pause there again because, again, a lot of stuff has happened right there. And if you're, if you're not a Christian in the room, this is the good part, right? Because he's pretty much just, like, put the Christians in their place, you know? He's like, Christians, be good little kids, you know? And we need to hear it. He says that word obedient children. Like, that's, we need to hear that. Like, but honestly, like, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I think, like, that's probably the best thing that I could hear this morning, because, because really, what Peter is doing here is he's addressing us as God's kids. He's addressing us as God's kids. And if you're a Christian in the room, you know that God disciplines those that, that he loves. And so if you're reading that verse, one thing you can know as a Christian is that God loves you. Another thing you can know is that, man, he's a good father. And you can know that, that man, he doesn't just want your blind obedience. Like, he, he literally wants to win you over with his grace. He wants to win you over with his love that you're still God's kid, regardless of where you're at today, man. You're still God's kid. This is, this is good news for us. But man, if you're here and you're, and you're not a Christian, the second half, it probably doesn't sound so good, right? 
like the second half, he says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Passions that so former ignorance. So is he saying that if you aren't a Christian, then you're ignorant? Like, because if he's saying that, like, that's, that's harsh. You know, ignorant, I don't like that word. Like, that's, that's a harsh thing to say. So here's what he's saying. What he's saying is, Christian or not, wherever you're at, if you're looking at, at that statement, life is hard, so what should I do? And you're answering that question with anything other than hoping in Jesus and all that he has for you, then you don't know what you're missing. If you're answering that question, life is hard, so what should I do about it with anything other than Jesus, anything other than Jesus, then you don't even know what you're missing. And you're seriously, you are missing out. Let's go back to the big idea really quick. We have the right to pursue happiness however you want. Like the Stoics, you can do it like that. You can think everything through. Like the Epicureans, man, you can chase after a whole bunch of stuff to fill yourself up, make you happy. You can do whatever you want, but you have the opportunity to pursue something better. And here's the better thing. Hold on with me. If, if I'm losing you, come, come back in. Um, verse 15, it's really simple. He says this. He says, But as he who called you is holy you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you should be holy, for I am holy. This is what we have the opportunity for this morning, but I got to unpack it a little bit because it might be a little bit confusing um, just at, at first glance. So when I was young, I actually thought that, that I, was, I was holy. Like, but really, I was more just holy, holier than thou, you know? You probably know some people, like, they think they're holy, but really they're holier than thou. They hold themselves up above you. Um, man, this is how I was when I was, when I was really little. Um, I've shared this before, but when I was um, probably elementary school age, I used to go to tennis camp, and I used to learn how to play tennis. It was awesome. Um, and at tennis camp one day, I remember being there, um, and I sat down for lunch, because we'd have, we'd have lunch, and I sat across from this kid, and for whatever reason, I don't know what compelled me to ask him this question, but I, I looked at the kid, and I was like, hey, like, do you believe in God? The kid was like, no. And here's what I did. I grabbed my lunch, and I said, you're stupid. <laughs> and I moved to a different table right? So that's not holiness, right? That's holier than thou. And if this is your idea of holiness, like, I'm sorry, you've probably been burnt by somebody. Like, holiness is not holier than thou. It's, it's totally a different thing. Um, and if, if that's your thoughts, I'm really sorry. Um, so the word holy, here's what it actually means. The word holy, I think there's a blank in your handout, so you can write this down. The word holy actually means to be set apart for God. So the word holy Literally, to be set apart for God. And here's the thing. When God originally gave this command, he didn't just tell the people, like, blindly pursue me. Like, blindly. He didn't just go up to a group of people and say, be holy. Be holy right now. Like, like I kind of did with that kid. You know what I mean? I sat across from him. Do you believe in God? No, well, you're stupid. You should be holy. You know, like, that's not what God did. Right? You know the story. Like, God pursued these people first. Right? They were enslaved, 
Like God went to the people who were enslaved. He brought them out of slavery. And then he invites them to be holy. God rescued them. He won them over. And then he says, hey, life wasn't so good back when you were enslaved, was it? Guess what? I've saved you. I want to teach you to be like me. I want to teach you to be holy. This is what you have the opportunity to do. I want to teach you to be holy. And you probably know the rest of the story. They didn't, they didn't care about that. They didn't listen, right? Like a lot like us, the people said, okay, that's great, God. You know what? I'm going to choose my own, my own way anyway. Like I'm going to define happiness however I want to. You know, I have the right to that, don't I? Like I'm going to define happiness however I want to define it. They didn't care about holiness. And then the good news is that, is that in the midst of that, God sent Jesus anyway, right? And Jesus lived the holy life that they couldn't live in their place. And then Jesus dies for them, giving them the holiness that they couldn't have on their own. If they would just trust in him. Guys, this is the good news for us today, right? That, that because of Jesus, because Jesus lived this holy life, and then Jesus died in our place. Now we can trust in him, the one who is holy in our place, right? He's holy, so we don't have to be. This is the good news. And so now, when we're looking at that question, like, life is hard, what should I do? Life is hard, what should I do? Instead of looking to all this stuff, we can look to Jesus. We can look to Jesus, guys. Like, this could... This could literally change everything. We could look to Jesus. I know at, at the, the beginning of, of this, I, I was looking at the text and I said, all right, what is that therefore, therefore? And I said that I was going to share um, what it was and I, and I want to right now because, because Peter's explaining to the people like what this looks like. like. Peter's explaining what the hope looks like that you could have in Jesus by trusting in him. And he explains it at the beginning of 1 Peter. And he starts in verse 3, and he's really excited about it. He says this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. Like he's pumped. You know, and remember, there's like persecution going on and stuff. But he's pumped anyway. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance, to an inheritance that is imperishable, inheritance that won't go away, it's imperishable, guys, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in that, all that that we just described, in that, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A little bit of a run-on sentence, but he was just really excited. <laughs> Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, 
obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Guys, this is, this is what we have to look forward to in Jesus. Literal salvation, born again, living with Jesus forever. Stuff that, that won't end, that feeling that you have where, where you go out and you try to find something to fill you up or you go and you try to figure out your whole life and you structure it all out, all that stuff, all that goes away because you're given the reward that, that God meant for you to have all along and you're with him forever and it never perishes, it never ends. And can you imagine how different your life would look if when life got hard, you remembered that? Like, how different would your life look if, if when things were hard, rather than run into the first thing that's going to make you happy, and rather than just sitting down and putting all the pressure on yourself, what if you just looked to Jesus? How different would things be? I want to suggest this morning that that could, that could change everything. Could literally change your whole life. And so I want to close with a, with a couple thoughts and, and just say, say this. Say, this morning, like I said, you guys have the right to pursue happiness however you want to. You have the right, right to. Whatever that looks like for you, all the, the stuff that you're doing, like you have the, the right to that. You know, you could, you could get up and, and leave from here and, and, and not change at all, and, and that's, that's fine. You have the right to do that. But Peter says, man, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. And you have the opportunity this morning to literally be set apart for God and experience all that he has for you in Jesus. You have that opportunity literally every day. You have that opportunity to look to Jesus. And, and the good news is that he's already made the first move. Right? Jesus has already stepped in. He's already died on the cross. How are you going to respond? I want to close with this. Man, man at, at the beginning of the sermon, I shared about how my mom would do, if you're happy and you know it, say amen, and I feel bad that I made fun of my mom a little bit. So I want to redeem myself, because I love my mom. Um, she also used to sing a different song. And I, I'd wake up in the morning, and I'd come out, and she'd be cooking me some eggs, or cooking me some Fruit Loops. You don't cook those, but she'd have them. <laughs> So I'd come out in the morning, my hair would be standing straight up, and I could hardly see, but I could hear. And my mom would be singing a song. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this song. Here are the lyrics to it. It went like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let me pray as the band comes up.